Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, my name is Hera Arsen. We are coming to you live today from Ogletree Deacons National Seminar, Workplace Strategies in Phoenix, Arizona. I am here today with my special guest, Bill Grobe, who is a shareholder in our Tampa office. And Bill, you're going to be speaking to us today a little bit about mental health issues, mental health issues in the workplace. So let me ask you a few questions. What can you tell me about why mental health issues are beginning to be at the forefront of communications in the workplace? Well, Hera, thank you so much for having me here. You know, it's really exciting to be here at Workplace Strategies and be able to chair a session on mental health in the workplace. As you know, this is an issue that is is very popular among employees and employers. And there are certain generations of employees that don't understand, employers that don't understand really how to respond. And it's been a difficult time. But I think the reason that this is coming to the forefront now is we're on the, the back end of COVID, hopefully, on the, on the downslide. And it's really in combination with the great resignation, it's not only triggered employer's obligation to take a look at folks from a mental health standpoint and be able to respond to those issues that they're experiencing from a mental health standpoint. But it is really something that if you don't do it, then your competitor is going to do it. And they're going to be able to take your well-trained employees who are going to want to be with an employer who's more responsive to their needs. Right, and I think this is pretty fortuitous, right? Because it's May 2022 and it's Mental Health Awareness Month, also well-being in the law week this week. So it's great timing to talk about these issues and to talk about them from an employment law perspective. So Bill, tell me a little bit about the generational effect. How does what generation you're in factor into how you feel about mental health issues and like like i'm sure you discussed at your breakout session the whole concept of is it okay to not be okay how does younger generation feel about it versus the baby boomers for example sure and 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 by the way i'm so glad that we're doing this during mental health week and and mental health in the law and it is um star wars week you may or may not know that it's star wars week i did bring my star wars cufflinks to wear for may the fourth be with you and, and with you as well um but so important because we'll think back and and i'm a i'm a gen xer right i am leading edge gen x and i am gen x through and through i am from ferris bueller (laughs) to the breakfast club i embody every one of those traits uh from from those individuals in those movies but if you go back to the traditionalists right who are mostly moved out of the workforce now and now we have sort of the aging boomers that are moving out of the workforce but if you go back to those generations right they grew up under a regime that said snap out of it or get over it. You didn't bring up your personal issues or your mental health issues in the workplace because if you did, you were immediately stigmatized. And it was very difficult to then get over that stigma by bringing up those issues in the workplace. And, and that was the generation that, that was, it was the, the stick versus the carrot. It was my way or the highway. And if you weren't acting right, or if you somehow had some concern about your mental health, well, you better snap out of it or get over it, or you weren't just gonna have a job anymore. 
So tell me, what do you think about social media and how it intersects with mental health? Because we are dealing with generations now that are, they swipe and scroll like from the day they're born. So what do you <laughs> think is the, how is social media playing into this and, and in the workplace as well? And, and that's what's interesting about, especially the millennials. Now, I find it very hard to believe that the oldest millennials are now in their 40s. Can we believe it? I mean, right. we were talking about millennials. It just seems so recently being, you know, sort of the, the new generation and, oh, my gosh, we have to adapt to them. But, but from the millennials to what had become the zillennials into Generation Z and now the alphas is, is right. what the newest generation is called. Keep in mind, they have all grown up with some measure of social media. In fact, the alphas are the first, very first generation that were born and raised entirely in the 2000s, mm -hmm. right? They started in 2010 and they've gone to now and they don't know a time without any type of, of social media outlet to be able to talk about their feelings amongst people that are in the same group as them. And, and so what we're seeing with social media is people are being much more open with their feelings. Uh, and it used to be with the millennials, it kind of started out with a little bit of anonymity, right? You could go on a social media site, whatever it was at that point in time, and you could talk about issues that you were feeling. And, and if it was on a, a site that was an anonymous site, you could really be frank about how you felt. Sure. And people didn't realize mm -hmm. how many issues were being experienced by folks and not only experienced in their personal lives, but that experience would bleed over into the workplace. And so now we have, you know, Generation Z and the alphas who uh, have never known a time without any of the, the newer formats that are so easy to access. And now, you know, you don't have to have a computer. All you need is a phone or you can, you know, use any type of device and it's instantaneous. And so not only are those individuals getting more of a social education online early on, but they're understanding that we can talk about these things, we won't feel stigmatized, mm -hmm. and employers need to, to sort of step up and listen and be able to respond to those issues. So interesting, so employers stepping up and listening. So let me ask you about, uh, you know, we're in the post-pandemic time, and I'll ask you about COVID in a little bit, but we are at a time where hiring and retention is, is becoming more and more of an issue. So why is it particularly important at this time for employers to be aware during the great resignation? So mental health issues, how should employers be responding to these things in the workplace? Sure, and it, it's, it's not just responding because of the great resignation, but you need to be able to respond and understand we are not doctors. We don't ask employers to be doctors or psychologists or psychiatrists or you know anything that, that would give a diagnosis. All we ask for employers to do is be vigilant. Mm -hmm. Be vigilant and observant. If you notice that someone is acting in a manner that is uncharacteristic with the way that they've acted before, then maybe it's time just to have a conversation with that individual. And, and, and a lot of times we'll see someone that, that acts up and, you know, in the, in, as we said, in the older generation, be like, snap out of it or get over it or you better come back tomorrow ready to work. But that's not the way anymore. Now it's, it's something if you see someone acting up, talk to them. Because here's, here's what I tell everyone. You have no idea what the person has gone through in their life, what their life experience is before they've gotten in front of you that day. There could have been a trigger years and years ago from some event that you didn't even conceive was possible. Mm -hmm. 
And that is what has affected the behavior that you're talking about. And it has nothing to do with the workplace and it has nothing to do with you. So the question is, how do I respond and show that I'm here to support the employee? And let me go back to COVID a little bit. So we, we heard people talk about the mental health issues around the lockdowns, right? And there was a lot of isolationism. How is that affecting employees? A lot of people are still working remote. So what do you think about the mental health issues that came right out of the, the pandemic, really? Well, some, some really brilliant things happened during the pandemic, both positive and, and unfortunate. One of the things was we learned how to adapt. We learned that in order to survive and in order to maintain our jobs, we had to help our employers keep the doors open. And we had to, from an employment standpoint, we as employees had to adapt to assist our employers in maintaining viable and keeping their business. But during that same time, the difficulty became if everyone's working remotely, how do you feel like you're part of a team? How do we get that unification? And people may not have realized it consciously. There was, it may have been a lot of subconscious, but we were looking for ways and we found employers struggling for ways to have that opportunity for team members to come together remotely and share those social situations so that they could feel like they had a voice mm -hmm. in the team. And, and as we did that, um, the people who were successful adapted and may not have felt as isolated, but there were a lot of people who just failed, unfortunately, at being able to find that team dynamic from a remote standpoint. And so we found that isolationism, whether consciously or subconsciously, has really affected employees who wanted the social side of the workplace. So, you know, some employees, again, generationally may love working on their own and be very independent and they're much more productive in that way. But now we have to come back now that hopefully we're on the downslope of covid we're trying to find ways as we bring people back to the office slowly to both integrate the employees and listen to the issues that they face during they had during the time that they were remote so that we can integrate them more easily into the workplace have them feel like more like they're part of a team with a voice in that team to get that that sort of maslow self-actualization going and then being able to respond to their needs from especially from a mental health standpoint and that may be where you're subconsciously you're feeling isolated and and you may be shorter in your response with some people or feel a little bit sore about something that probably wouldn't affect it would have affected you before that's when you really need to take notice as an employer notice those characteristics and behaviors that are out of the ordinary and just step up and, and ask what can I do to support you? Sure. And what about some final thoughts for employers as they are trying to be responsive to employees, some of whom are going to have long-term mental health issues, some will have short-term mental health issues. How does an employer respond to these variety of issues that they could be facing? The most important thing we can do is, is pay attention. Pay attention and communicate. And, and if you don't, you know, as you as an executive don't feel comfortable doing it, well, that's what you have HR people for because they're trained to be able to communicate with employees at every level. And the most important words we can use, and I've said them a couple of times during, during this podcast, is use support. Don't not, what can I do to help you? Because, you know, you may not have the ability to help but you do have the ability to support someone in what they may need, whether that's some time off to go seek some therapy, offering up employee assistant programs to go and, and find out um, who it is that they should see. And if there's any type of, of either medication or uh, experiences or group settings that they could be put into. And then you have employees who, who 
probably no one ever recognized that are called HSPs, highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they lean very far to the left of the introvert scale. And the more introverted someone is, these are folks who really thrive on process and they like to be systematic about things. And, and so if you're asking them to, to lead a team and report back as the team leader every week on something, you are not gonna get a good work product because they don't like being put on the spot because it's difficult to come out with something immediately. These are folks who are incredibly contemplative and will just blow the doors off of a process-oriented task. So we also wanna be able to identify people based on their traits, especially people, you, we may do the Myers-Briggs and may see, right. see that someone is very far on the left side of the introvert scale. We can respond to that by maybe knowing where to slot that individual in the organization, not only for them to succeed, but for that individual to thrive. Great, that's really insightful. Thank you so much, Bill, for exploring mental health issues in the workplace with us. And we hope that you all have enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Hera. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.